As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is episode 289 of Alohomora for January 18th, 2020. To another episode of Alohomora, MuggleNet.com's in-depth exploration of the Harry Potter series. I'm Katie Carty-Hiley. I'm Amy Hogan. And I'm Beth Warsaw. And I am very excited to introduce our guest, Parker. Hey! Hello! Yay. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Parker is a friend of mine, and she was also on episode 257, so... Head on over there if you enjoy her on this episode. And Parker, you have some awesome news, don't you? Yes, I have a new book out um, just this week. <gasps> My new book, Strange Exit. It is a story about some teens who have survived a nuclear apocalypse, but are now trapped inside a simulation that was meant to prepare them for life after nuclear winter. So our main character realizes they're in a simulation, but is trying to convince everyone else that they are and to get them out before the simulation collapses with everyone inside. Whoa. That sounds right up my alley. I love (laughs) like dystopian future things, which is horrible like genre to love, but I do. (laughs) It's also a weird genre to research. I, I couldn't decide how I wanted the end of the world scenario. I wasn't sure if I wanted nuclear or something else. So I researched volcanoes, and I researched um, asteroids and meteors, so many things, and I tried to cram it all in short space, um, and I started to have the worst dreams, (laughs) just like these terrible scenarios, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to pick one, and we're going to move forward. (laughs) (laughs) So it's another puzzle book as well, it sounds like. It is very puzzly, again. The the simulation uh, has a lot of twists and turns and secrets And it has like its own set of rules for the ways you can manipulate it. So, for example, 
if you create a pocket of the simulation, like you press out into a new area, you can control that area. You can make it change. You can create it however you want. So someone comes into your pocket. It's like you're almost the god of that little bit of the world. And if you go into theirs, same thing. And so trying to get someone out of a pocket they've created is is very, very tricky. You have to kind of follow the rules of figuring out how to manipulate each other's spaces. Whoa. That sounds really cool. And when is my copy coming in the mail? Because I pre-ordered it. I will send you <laughs> I haven't got it yet. 100 copies, Beth, and you will have to read them all. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely have to check that out as well. That's definitely up my alley. Awesome. And Amy, I think you've been on the show before, haven't you? Long time ago, I would say... I think I was in college because I remember sitting in my dorm room. So it's been at least three years. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you reintroduce yourself as well? <laughs> okay. Um, so, hey, guys, my name is Amy. Um, I'm a host over on Speak Beastie. And I am with MuggleNet. I'm the creative media manager for the site. And I have been reading Harry Potter since I was nine. I'm a Hufflepuff. Yay. Um, <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> Those are the important <laughs> things. <laughs> and so Parker, got... what's your house for everybody who may not have heard your previous episode? I'm a puzzle-loving Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so puffs and claws today. I like it. Good combination. Because that's what you are too, Beth. Aren't you a Hufflepuff? I am a Hufflepuff. Okay. Making sure I'm remembering right. That would be really bad if I got that wrong at this point after podcasting with you for this long. So we're evenly what? split. Cool. Yeah, I love it. Oh, it's time to arm wrestle. Such balance. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amy, would you like to tell everyone what we're talking about today? Yes. So this episode is going to be focused on some small questions from the series. So some kind of like nitpicky type questions. Um, so this will be fun. Um, and this was requested by Amber and Lord Al. Yes, thank you guys so much for requesting this topic through our topic submit page. That's how we get to choose fun things like this that we wouldn't necessarily have come up with on our own. But when y'all present them to us, we're like, oh, yeah, and then we could put it with this and with that, and it all comes together, and it's great. Um, another thing we want to thank our listeners for um, is our Patreon sponsor for this episode, and that is Joseph Hernandez. Thank you, Joseph. Thanks, Joseph. Yay. Yay. We love you. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. And listeners, you can become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month. We will continue to release exclusive tidbits for our sponsors. So you can just visit patreon.com slash alohamora to find out more. All right. It is time for shout out Maximas. And uh, these shout outs are from episode 287, all about Lord Voldemort. So this shout out is for... No need to call me Sir Professor, who is a relatively new commenter over on the main site. And their comment sparked a very interesting thread with uh, replies also from Lisa, Bloodcharm, and David B. Jones 999. So I encourage all of you to head over to the main site and read that thread because it was very interesting. And no need to call me Sir Professor's comment was uh, basically about whether Delphi was on purpose um, and why maybe Voldemort would have wanted to have a child. And their reasoning is that 
Voldemort wanted to create the next generation of Death Eaters because he knew that while he was immortal, his Death Eaters were not, especially with, you know, his plans for for the Malfoys and for Snape. Very interesting idea. And they also went on to talk about uh, Bellatrix's absence in Half-Blood Prince being the primary candidate for when she would have been pregnant with Delphi. And in a response to a reply from Lisa, they were talking about Voldemort wanting to intentionally keep Bella out of the war for her safety because she's his best lieutenant and she is a very high-profile um, person of interest, and so he wants to keep her safe. Very interesting thread. Definitely... Go head over to the main site to take a look for yourself. So to get us started with our small questions, uh, some of these came in through our topic submit, like we mentioned before. And also we put a shout out in Dumbledore's office and on Twitter for a few other questions that listeners would like us to tackle. Uh, so we're going to address some of those. The first one comes from Lord Al. And he says, or sorry, they say, um, why did Voldemort send Death Eaters to Hogwarts when he didn't know that Dumbledore would be in a weakened state? And that's a really fair question. Because Dumbledore could have whooped their butts if he had been at full strength. I feel like, isn't that kind of the point, though? Like, I mean, he had Draco in line to kill Dumbledore because he basically knew Draco would fail. It was supposed to be a punishment. Mm. So I guess if you lost a few Death Eaters, like, oh, well, at least it's not me type thing. You know, that's a good point, because I keep getting the movie mixed up with the book. Because, like, in the movie, Bellatrix is there, but she's not in the book. It's the Caros and, um, oh, gosh, there's the blonde one whose name I always forget. Rowell, I think. Greyback uh, is there, right? Yeah. Yep, you're right. You're right. Greyback is there in both. So yeah, they're, pro they're Death Eaters he doesn't care that much about. So maybe he was just like, yeah, you know, if I lose these guys, eh, no big loss. They're like the B team, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. We can replace them. They're not them. SG1. They're like <laughs> SG5. <laughs> was he like very overconfident in his escape route? Like, well... If they get there and things aren't going well, maybe they could go back through the cabinet. I don't know if they felt like that was an option because they didn't do that. I think, too, he might be putting too much weight on the element of surprise. Like, if Dumbledore's not expecting them and he's outnumbered, then maybe they would just luck into success. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't he know that Dumbledore wasn't there, too? Did he? Oof. I feel like he must have. Be That's right, because he had said he had stepped out for a drink. They expected him to be in Hogsmeade. Yeah. Um, and I think Draco communicated that, or vice versa, with Rose Murda, because she was still under the Imperious curse. Maybe she was even the one that told Draco that he had left. Um, gosh, I just finished this series like two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> that long ago. But it was something like that. Yes, it was known that he was out of the castle. And that's why they put the dark mark um, at the top of the tower to tempt him back. Um, or I don't know if tempt is the word, but to like scare him and say, oh, I should go back and see what's happened. Who's died? Whatever. Um, although how they 
I mean, I guess they just expected he could find a broom wherever he was and fly to the tower, but that's not how he would normally get back into Hogwarts. But I guess they figure, okay, if he sees that, that's the quickest way to do it because he can't apparate. Well, no, he can. So, <laughs> hmm. Do you think they were set on killing him that night or was it sort of a, we want to go plant our dark mark to show that like, yeah, we can infiltrate you and then... And then, okay, if he's going to come and it looks like we can kill him, then great. I really like that interpretation. It's more like, you know, rattle him on his home home turf type of thing rather than actually accomplish anything. I never thought of it like that. I kind of like that. Because I always thought of, like, Draco kind of knows it's his mission. So I always just assumed it was the plan. But I guess in Draco's mind, it could be the plan where everyone else is just thinking... You know, we're going to just get him here and, you know, rattle him a little bit, like you said. Hmm. There's no way that they could know about Dumbledore having used the ring, right? Because they wouldn't know that he was in a weakened state from the potion. But would they have figured out that he might have, like, some kind of injury from the ring? I think that it was... Like, Voldemort doesn't know that Dumbledore is hunting Horcruxes until... After Dumbledore dies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Until Harry, Until Harry takes it up. Him. Right. So it's not like they got some intel. We saw Dumbledore and his hand looked pretty crazy. Like, now's your time. <laughs> <laughs> even if he, even if that had happened, I don't think that it's obvious that that's... Yeah, that he's, like, cursed. A, a horcrux effect. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe if Voldemort had seen Dumbledore, he could have figured it out. But, mm-hmm. like, through translation, I don't think anybody else would have been able to describe it as something a Horcrux could have done. Yeah. And I think Voldemort would also be so hyper-confident that his Horcrux, that curse would have just killed whoever it affected. He would never in his wildest That's dreams true. have thought, oh, somebody could have stopped this and lived for a whole nother year. Um, and he was only able to accomplish that because of Snape, who Voldemort thought was on his side. Very true. It seems like there was so much luck on Voldemort's side then mm-hmm. that Dumbledore took this terrible potion, also cursed hand. I don't know, I don't know if that really paid, played into it. Snape is a double agent. <laughs> Draco could maybe do a little bit more than they thought he could. Like, there's so many things that played into Voldemort that it seems like he can't even really take the point for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Maybe he drank a little Felix Felicis. <laughs> yeah. That was the outcome. Well, thanks, Lord Al. That was a fun question. Uh, let's go on to William Ward who says, do you think that Harry could have somehow cured Neville's parents with the Elder Wand? He was the master of it and was able to fix his own wand. I wish, oh, I think he was talking about Harry maybe at that point. Um, I wish he had tried a few things to help others before he destroyed it. It could have been used for good. Uh, Real quick, William, he only destroyed it in the movie. That is movieism. In the book, he puts it back into Dumbledore's tomb. But I get your point about... Uh, Dumbledore not doing oh wait he did say Harry did I read Harry or did I read Dumbledore in my I think head you read I was Harry. Thinking, okay I heard my brain Harry was but I don't know if Dumbledore. it's just because I was reading it <laughs> I don't know <laughs> wow my brain totally misinterpreted even though I was reading the actual words 
my bad. So yeah, Dumbledore could have done some of this stuff too, perhaps before Harry got the wand. But that is an interesting thought experiment. Like, what are some other things he could have done with it before he put it back? This is such an interesting and heartbreaking question because, like, even the tiny possibility of this is really sad. Um, but it's very interesting to think that Dumbledore kind of played God in a lot of ways throughout the series. And then, like, for his, you know, strong morality didn't interfere in other ways. And that's a really interesting... It's really interesting to pull apart Dumbledore's character and, like, why did he think that there were certain things that were just, like, you don't mess with that, and other things that were, like, I'm going to mess that all up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he he basically decided he would be the master of Harry Potter's fate. Like, I will hide him here. I will make this pact. He will come to Mm -hmm. school. I will set... There, I mean, there's so much that he does there, but in other ways, doesn't want to interfere with other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when I hear someone say, it could have been used for good, I'm like, oh, famous last words. <laughs> like, there's so many things in this world that, if we're just in the right hands, would just be used for good, including all those rings that that guy made as gifts for, you know, elves and humans and dwarves. And then you find out, like, okay, sometimes if something is really powerful, even if you mean to use it for good, it's not going to go it's not going to go the way you think (laughs) do you think that harry at that point in the series once he got the elder wand and was the master do you think at that point he was very cynical about it and was kind of like you know what i've seen what going after this type of power does to other people i don't want it i'm not even gonna try it for like good uses because i mean dumbledore totally corrupted him Yeah, Dumbledore had the best intentions going after the Deathly Hallows, but um, Mm -hmm. it obviously did a number on him, and Harry saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as much as I believe in Harry, I also have seen, for example, he used the Marauder's Map to sneak out and get candy, as opposed to (laughs) (laughs) putting it in the hands of someone who could use it for some good. And he's just a little kid, but... even if you had the best of intentions, just like Ron wearing the locket, you could be a really good person, but something is too powerful. It's best left alone. I also wonder if even the most powerful wand, if it still has limitations, like are there some things that it just can't undo? It doesn't yeah. seem like the kind of wand you use to heal. And it did mm-hmm. fix a wand, but that's, I guess. And I'm sure if you, if you were a powerful wizard like Dumbledore and you could you could bend it to your will and make it do some things, but they even say in the series that some wands are good for this and some wands are good for that. And the Elder Wand doesn't seem like the kind of wand that'd be good for healing. It just seems like the human mind, too, is too complicated. And Neville's parents are obviously too, like so far gone in their minds that it's like messing with that. How would you ever, you know, reconnect things in the right way? Yeah, I, I think that... you probably have more chance of causing additional problems than you do of actually successfully healing them. And I also like the idea that while the Elder Wand is unbeatable, it's not all-powerful. It can't do everything. Mm, That's a good point. Yeah, I feel like it's like one of those things, if you could see the stats on it, like it has 
100 points of fighting power. And that makes it seem really powerful. But it only actually has one point of healing power. Or, or whatever. And you could be you could really see what that one could do. I love that. I do too. I need a spreadsheet now. <laughs> you can tell I've been playing a lot of board games lately where you're like, okay, how much weight will be on this skill? <laughs> and if it could be used for healing... Um, Listener Amber had wondered if Dumbledore could fix his eyesight uh, or why he never did. And if he had this wand and if he, if he were confident enough in the wand that it could do practically anything, he probably would have fixed his own eyesight with it. But he never did. So that might lead more credence to, yeah, it's just not good for those type of spells. It's more power. And that's that's its main focus. That's what it's good at. It can do some Reparo on wands. but on people, maybe it's more just destructive than healing. Can you imagine Dumbledore pointing the Elder Wand at his own eye? <laughs> Bad That's idea. Terrifying. <laughs> well, I've already got a cursed hand. What's, what's the worst that could happen with my eye? <laughs> or alternatively, young Dumbledore was pretty darn stylish, so maybe he just thought, hey, <laughs> yeah. I look real good in half moons. Yeah, half moon specials. <laughs> Just any glasses. <laughs> or a fashion statement. I like it. Oh, what's that Kingsley Shacklebolt movie? Is where he's like, that Dumbledore's got style. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you Perfect. have no idea, Kingsley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just I was just thinking too because we just did an episode recently on the the Patronus and Harry's fire, or sorry, his Nimbus 2000 has just gotten broken to smithereens, but he did keep the pieces around for quite a while. It's a shame he didn't keep them Ooh. through the entire series because he could have <laughs> fixed his original broom. <laughs> it's, in a, it's in a wizarding museum somewhere. Like they've glued it back together. <laughs> Here it is. I hope you're right. I, I like that very, very much. <laughs> So my husband threw a funny question, I mean, not funny, funny, but a cute question that I thought would be fun to answer um, or think about. Uh, which Weasley will inherit the burrow once Molly and Arthur have passed on? And will the ghoul still be there? You know so who like, should inherit it is, is Floor. She should inherit it and, <laughs> and try to like <laughs> be happy in this like haphazard house. <laughs> oh, she would be miserable. <laughs> I feel like that's like Mrs. Weasley's last revenge on Floor. Like, <laughs> she's like, here you go. Good luck cleaning it. <laughs> and there's a ghoul. <laughs> oh yeah, that that would be fun. I mean, thankfully, by the end of the series, they seem to love each other and all of that's behind them. But it, it would be funny if their relationship devolved a bit over the years. And in the will, she's like, Floor and Bill must live in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it will self-destruct. Um, I feel like they would kind of all get a share. Like, I feel like it would just kind of be, like, very family-oriented and, like, you all get a piece of the house. Oh. Where my brain went with it was of all of the... Because we don't know a lot about the older Weasley siblings. We just don't get to see them much in the books. So we don't get to know them as well. But of the ones we know, I could totally see Harry and Jenny wanting to live there in their later years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because this is totally like Harry's second childhood home. Mm, yeah. um, he would Raising have such fond there. memories of it. And Jenny it actually was her childhood home and she seems to love it. And I think they would just be so happy there. Like a retirement home? I don't know. <laughs> it would be cool for, for Harry to see 
things like how the kids denome the garden, you know, yes. and I could see him like getting in there and being like, I never did this as a kid, you know, I, like they showed me once, but, and they could, he could kind of like relive that with them. Yeah. Aww. That's like, precious. Bill and Fleur already have Shell Cottage, you know, mm-hmm. right? They're not mm-hmm. going to leave that. And Charlie is not interested in probably, you know, coming back. He probably wants to keep traveling and mm-hmm. live abroad. Mm-hmm. And um, so then there's... Ron resented it. Right. And yeah. then there's Percy. Does does Percy want to, like, live in the borough? I feel like probably not because he's... He has, More like, a swanky apartment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's got, like, some really yeah. nice, like, this is my apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then George already moved out and probably would have a hard time living in that house again. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that goes down to Ginny. Yeah. And then it would at least still be in the family so they could have big family gatherings there for the holidays and different events, birthdays, whatever. I just, I like that future headcanon of them all coming back to the burrow. Even if Molly and Arthur aren't there. I'm just not going to think about it because that's way too sad. (laughs) Maybe, well, so like Molly and Arthur probably live there for the rest of their lives and they probably live to be pretty old. So I wonder if maybe it goes to one of their grandchildren instead. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a possibility. And they have a bunch of grandchildren, so... Mm-hmm. I'm sure one of them would want to live there. Oh, I like that. Sort of like sort of like how Harry inherited Grimald Place, where mm-hmm. that wasn't where he grew up, but it's important to him and he makes it his own. I think it'd be really cool if one of Molly and Arthur's grandkids got to inherit the borough and make it their own. I like it. And we have no idea about the lifespan of ghouls, so <laughs> I assume it'll still be there. <laughs> So let's move on. On Twitter, Letty, or sorry, at Letty Librarian asked, who took over Ollivander's wand shop? Well, Ollivander was still alive at the end of the series. Um, thankfully, he, you know, was kidnapped and in really poor health there for a while as he recovered. But I assume he went back to making wands once he was, you know, back to full strength and got his shop, you know, set back up. Um, But again, he was pretty old, and as far as we know, he doesn't have any children. So once he does inevitably pass on, I do wonder if someone would take over that. Like, do you think he would take on an apprentice at some point? He has to have had a plan, because, like, it's not like there are people all over the world who are expert in wand lore. Like... He knows that when he dies, all of that knowledge dies with him. Yeah. And and it seems like from the way that he acts that a lot of what he does is just by gut feel. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he has, you know, tons and tons of knowledge too. But that gut feel you can only get by experiencing it. So I'm sure he had to have taken somebody on to just have them learn through osmosis. Yeah. But we never see the evidence of that. And mm-hmm. the shop closing when Ollivander is kidnapped rather than continuing to be run by an apprentice means that he didn't have one at that time. And he was already pretty old. So maybe that means he didn't think about it. 
And that's real dumb, Alvander. Real dumb. <laughs> Maybe he well, thought about it and he's tried to train apprentices and each time the you know, the wands kind of explode off the shelves at them and he's like, You're not the right apprentice. Like the wand will choose the apprentice. <laughs> the shop will choose the apprentice. <laughs> One day some kid's going to walk past that shop and the shop door is just going to open and there's going to be a glowing light and it's going to be like, well, Aww. it's chosen you. That's going to be amazing. me. I call it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Well, we know that Ollivander is not the only wand maker, so there's got to yeah. be more out there. Um, I mean, you've got Gregorovich and then whoever the French people get their wands from. Mm-hmm. Um so I would imagine maybe some young wand makers crop up now that Ollivander doesn't have the corner on the market. <laughs> it would be interesting since, what is it his shop says, like around since 880 or something <laughs> crazy. Um, maybe that's just a movieism though. I, hmm. No, the, the date's definitely on there. I've had it on so many trivias, but I never remember the okay. number. I'm not the numbers person. <laughs> but it's something really old, right? It's super yeah. old, yeah. It's like a three-digit yeah. number. Which, you know, just goes to prove not everybody reproduces, and that's okay. But I don't think it would be called Ollivander's anymore once he's gone. Yeah. Um, Has he just been around that long? Has he been, like, <laughs> drinking the elixir? Yeah, little did we know. He knew Nicholas Flamel as well. <laughs> or do we think it's just been in the Ollivander family that long? Probably. Yeah, that's that's my guess. <laughs> he was just too busy making wands to start a family. It wasn't his priority. His <laughs> wands are his babies. <laughs> that's an interesting question. What if Ollivander, like, I know his name is, like, Garrick Ollivander. What if that's just a title? And then whoever comes in next is Garrick Ollivander. And they're the new <laughs> wand maker. Well, you know, I just saw a, um, a stage production of Christmas Carol and I, it reminded me that after Jacob Marley passed away they never took his name off the sign it just said Scrooge and Marley yeah. um, so people didn't know and, if and Scrooge, Scrooge just Scrooge answers Marley. to Marley also like exactly <laughs> yes so maybe the same thing would happen they would just leave all of Anders on the sign and whoever works there would just answer to that name as well <laughs> Yeah, they'll be like, I'm looking for Ollivander. And they're like, sure, okay, yeah. <laughs> there, that we've could be solved me. it. <laughs> <laughs> so also on Twitter, at AbbeyGrub1, did Dean Thomas and Seamus Finnegan ever marry? And I'm assuming they're talking about marry each other. Um, they could mean just marry at all, um, but... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the fandom, Dean and Seamus being a couple is a very common uh, a wish, we, we, we can say. Um, so maybe... I do y'all have any opinions or insight into this one or is it just like yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing on uh on Pottermore about them their future um you know that's a good question definitely Dude. not their future together but I don't think right, their right. future individually either <laughs> yeah I couldn't remember <laughs> if Lita mentioned mark. them because there's that like uh the Quidditch World Cup from mm-hmm. I forget which year. And it was like the original members of Dumbledore's army are here. And she talks about some of them, but I don't remember her calling out Dean or Seamus specifically. It's just interesting because she had that whole backstory for Dean where she had the whole story about how he had grown up and I think he had like a single mom or something, but mm-hmm. not anything about his future. Yeah. Could be well, worse. They could be lavender brown, and we don't know if she's dead or alive. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so as far as futures go, you know, <laughs> they're doing pretty good. Yes, yes, they are. I like to think that even if they don't romantically stay together, that they do stay besties forever, because I, I love their friendship. Um, whether it's romantic or not, I'm here for it either way. So Yeah, I... Um... I, I don't want to take this ship away from the people yes. who draw a lot of happiness from it. Uh, it's just not one that I've ever uh, thought w- was was true. Um, but I I think that people always talk about, like, girls always talk about their, their best friend, like, growing old and living down the street from each other and, like, you know, that sort of future scenario i want that for dean and seamus like nobody ever talks about that about guys <laughs> and yeah, i want dean and seamus to just be like old men best friends living next door neighbors <laughs> like they like always go to the diner together on sundays <laughs> i want dean and seamus to run the wand shop together and i want seamus to accidentally make the wands explode <laughs> 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 Everyone he touches just fire. He sets the whole shop on fire and levels Ollivanders and <laughs> survives since 600 BC. <laughs> like it's all French ones from here on out. It was fine until Seamus walked through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brits, you'll have to mail order your ones from now on. <laughs> So thanks, listeners, for giving us your questions. Those were super fun to dive into. Uh, we also came up with a few questions of our own, because as super Harry Potter nerds, we always have questions just like you do. Uh, so let's let's dive into some of these. So my, I, I added the first one because we actually didn't have time to discuss this on the last episode I was on, and I really wanted to because I thought it would be just fascinating and fun. Um, but we we ran out of time, and it really wasn't that important. It's just one of those things I need to know. 
So, in Prisoner of Azkaban, I found it fascinating that the Bogart Dementor, which I'm just going to shorten these things I talk about. So, the Bogmentor, okay, has the same effects on Harry and the room that they are in as a real Dementor. So, my questions are, um, <laughs> there's several, they're, they're all related, but same kind of thing. So, uh, first of all, if Lupin had not been around to put the Bogart back, or sorry, the Bogmentor back, could it have performed the Dementor's kiss on Harry? Okay. What if someone's greatest fear was a fully matured Mandrake? Would the Bogdrake kill everyone <laughs> in the room if it had time to let out a cry? What if it turned into a basilisk? Would it kill anyone who looked into its eyes? And if a person who couldn't see Thestrals was terrified of the concept of them, would the Bogstral be invisible to them, but visible to anyone else who can typically see them? And, because my husband had to throw in something silly, if a person was scared of unicorns, could you bring someone back from the brink of death by having them drink blood from a bogacorn? <laughs> I thought of a really dark place to take this because I was thinking about, <laughs> yay, I was thinking about how um, Molly had that moment where she kept seeing her dead loved ones. And yes. I thought, like, what if you conditioned yourself to be afraid of your loved one who had died, but it was coming back to life? And then you could use the Bogart to turn it into your loved one, except the catch there would be that you're now afraid of your, your loved one. So you get to have them back, but you're afraid of them. Aww. That's Whoa. terrible. <laughs> I feel like the Bogart is just fodder for some really dark ideas. It is. And and now I just I have to know, like, could, how dangerous are Bogarts really? Because if they can take on all of the attributes of these magical creatures that they can turn into, they can be pretty darn dangerous. Because it's not just that it makes Harry, you know, hear his parents and fall over, like the room goes cold, the... Um, candles go out and Lupin has to, you know, put them back on, whatever. So it's not just affecting Harry. Like, I don't know if Lupin is actually feeling the cold and the despair as well. He's more used to it. So it doesn't affect him as, as badly as it does Harry. But it has um, to be an illusion because otherwise when Snape shows up in the funny hat and whatnot, then, then actually Snape is in the room. Right. And I don't think Snape was like, hey, what happened that one day when I suddenly showed up in your classroom? So, you know, oh, I no. Like, yeah, it's yeah. totally not like the real person. And it would but be like have the real qualities. Yeah. I feel like they can't like do anything physical to you, but can like simulate the elements. Maybe. I wonder. So everyone who's in the room would feel that illusion. Right. Because if you think about the Dementor Bogart, if it feels cold like that's like an element that's like temperature that's not really an element but you know what i mean um <laughs> <laughs> and then like taking away like the candles going out that's just taking away light so it's not really like physically like touching or damaging anyone i don't know but that's like an interesting question like what line yeah. can it cross can we be sure that those things happened if the book, even though it's in third person, is following Harry's point of view very closely? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, because is that just like part of the fear, like that Harry feels it? 
Mm-hmm. But not necessarily everyone else. I think it does specifically say that Lupin is lighting, like relighting the candle. Okay. So it at least did that. Um, it seems like a, a little bit like um, like the ghosts of the castle, how they can make certain things happen, but then they also have their physical limitations. Like, Peeve seems to be able to throw objects around. Right, he's a poltergeist, so yeah. he can do things so he's that got some ghosts different. can't. But the, and the ghosts can't do things like eat food, and they can float through doors, but they can also talk to people, which is mm-hmm. somewhat physical. But, like, if it, okay, say it only affected the person that was scared of it, even. Like, Mandrake, fully mature Mandrake, it lets out one cry, that person's gone. <laughs> um, basilisk, <laughs> one look at its eyes, that person's gone. Like, I feel like that's why there's an instructor there when they're doing this lesson. <laughs> on Bogarts to avoid such things. But what could Lupin have said if, you know, a basilisk shows up, would he even have time to say, close your eyes for it? He would have to crow like a rooster or something. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it it would just knock you out. Like a really great, non-risky thing at all to do in a classroom full of (laughs) 13-year-olds. Like, I don't think... Drinking blood from a bog of corn would work. That's just silly because my husband is silly. <laughs> but it is, I am interested to know whether a bog stroll, whatever, bog or thestral would be visible to mm-hmm. someone who was scared of their concept but couldn't actually see them. Or maybe it would just appear as something terrifying that what they think it looks like. Yeah, if you'd never seen a thestral before and no one had described it to you and you never saw a picture. And then a bogart turns into a thestral because somebody else in the room is scared of it. Would you? You wouldn't. Yeah, would the illusion still work on you? Would you be able to tap into the bogart's like shape shifting into a certain shape? It's kind of bending my mind. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> this is what I like to do. <laughs> so, listeners, let us know your ideas on whether bogarts can be just as deadly as basilisks. Because I want to know. <laughs> um, and another question, and I'll I'll be straight up honest where this idea came from, because I loved My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and I'm super sad that it's over, but it was a great show. And the last few seasons, there is this school where students come to learn about friendship, and it starts out with just ponies. Um, but eventually they start having um, or allowing in other students that are like hippogriffs and griffins and yaks and changelings. And I'm probably forgetting some of the others. So there are different like four-legged species that start coming to the school and they all learn to work together and, and so forth. So that got me thinking about Hogwarts. And do you think in the future... There would ever be a time that they would start teaching non-human beings along with humans. So we know that half giants and werewolves have already been students there. Um, and I found online something about a half vampire um, that was like on a chocolate frog card and on J.K. Rowling's website, but it didn't say a whole lot about him. So I don't know. But yeah, so apparently that's a thing, a half vampire. Um but can y'all picture a future in which, like, full-blooded goblins, house elves, centaurs, etc., could also study alongside human witches and wizards? Yeah, I think especially since they have a centaur teacher. And my question mm-hmm. is, 
how are they going to arrange the dormitories? Because <laughs> <laughs> I went last year to the um, to the the thing where you see I forget what it's called, um, like the movie sets in London. Yeah, Leavesden. Yeah, wherever that place is where you go and you see like the actual movie sets. So they were. Um, I, I looked at the set of the dormitory, the boys' dormitory, and it, there was a sign that said, as they filmed, I think even just by the second movie, all the boys had outgrown the beds. So they would just <laughs> lie in the bed and their feet would be sticking out the end, but you wouldn't see their feet sticking out. And then I was oh, thinking amazing. about, yeah, like when Hagrid went to school there, or <laughs> they just like, <laughs> you know, your feet are going to stick out the end of this bed. Or or was it, did, they, did he have his own room? Like what? And then would that be lonely? Or was it like, okay, instead of being in Gryffindor Tower, this year the dormitory is going to be somewhere else until Hagrid grows up because we need a big bed for him. And same with like centaurs. Like where are they going to, how do they sleep in the dormitory? That's what I'm wondering the most. That is a good point. They would definitely have to make some different accommodations yeah. to, to make this I think work. they could do it though, especially since they have all this magic. Yeah. And I just think it would be fascinating for the humans to learn from the other beings and vice versa, because goblins have their own magic. So do house elves, so do centaurs. Um, and some of it probably can't be learned. Like mm -hmm. there's some magic that only that house elves can do. Say. Sorry, what did you say? Yeah, that, that's that's what I was going to say. Like, I I think that we, we learn in the books that there's a lot of like wand use discrimination that... Um, humans are really possessive of wands and won't let other creatures use mm -hmm. wands which is like gross and unnecessary but going the other way it seems like the goblin magic and the house elf magic and the centaur magic isn't really learnable it's more innate mm -hmm. and and maybe i don't know maybe human magic is also innate mm. i don't really know that we that we have enough information about how it works I mean, we sort of know that the wand is a, a channel of it-ish, mm -hmm. but so yeah, how like would would there be some subjects where you study with your kind and sub subjects where you study mm. with everybody? Like history of magic, I imagine would be really rich and awesome yeah. to study with other other kinds of beings. But charms, other things may not work so well. Yeah, yeah. And they had an astronomy of... class, but that's something you could just astronomy anyone could learn, even if they couldn't see it the same way the centaurs could. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And kind of going off of what Beth was saying, do you think that it's a different type of magic that's in wizards and witches that like they would use like channel through their wand? And do you think like say a house elf? still has magic, but might not be able to actually make a wand work, even if they had one, because maybe it's a different type. Possibly. It seems like the wizards are scared that if house elves had a wand, they would be even more powerful and yeah. could overpower wizards. Right. Like, uh, I want to know, has this ever actually been tried and tested? Like, do, Yeah, good point. You know, like, has a house elf ever actually well, used a wand? <laughs> well, I think part of that is about... Wands not being the source of human magic. Mm -hmm. Because, like, a muggle can't pick up a wizard's wand and do something with it. It's just a way to channel the human magic. And, like, I think there's some stuff that came out in the 
the Pottermore content about other cultures of human witches and wizards, Mm -hmm. that they don't all use wands. Right. And, but I think it's still all the same human magic, and it's all still different than the magic of other beings. Yeah. But I would just love to see, I mean, it would probably be hundreds of years in the future because, you know, prejudice, but... I would love to see a cooperation between all of these beings and that prejudice finally being overcome. And I mean, especially if you start with with kids who aren't born with those prejudices, and if you don't teach them those prejudices, and they just go to school with these other beings that are their same age, and they just learn together and they're friends, like, what a better society that would be. Um. So I, it's just wish fulfillment, I guess, is where I'm going with that. I would love for this to happen, <laughs> but I, I do wonder if it's a possibility. I think it, I guess the answer is yes, but with changes would have to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, or they might need their own schools. And like, I, we just don't know enough about like goblin culture. Like they don't seem to have goblin schools. They just teach their young the same trade that they've done their whole lives but you don't hear of goblins doing anything other than other than banking like surely there has to be a goblin out there somewhere who wants to be an actor and did his parents just shoot him down it's like no you're gonna be a banker whether you like it or not if if one of our listeners does not immediately go and write some fan fiction about a goblin youngster wanting to be something other than a banker. <laughs> I will be well, in, um, Someone go do it. In Fantastic right Beasts, there was the the singer in the speakeasy. Wasn't she supposed to be a goblin or was she supposed to be a house elf? I think I she was a goblin. Oh, yeah, I think she was a goblin. <laughs> so there you go. Goblins can be singers. Yay! <laughs> At least in America. <laughs> That's so fascinating. I love it. Okay. So one of you ask a question. I've gotten mine out of the way. <laughs> it kind of flows into my question, which is, if is there a greater purpose to separating Hogwarts students into houses as, they, as the houses are set up now? I know it's based on the founders and what they valued, but it is, I kind of started to spend my thoughts toward this idea that if you are creating a wizard school, it probably isn't just for the purpose of training kids to be good citizens and training them to have jobs in your community, but it would also be, especially since it's a castle, which is like so fortified, it seems like they know that Voldemort or no, there's going to be some kind of person who's going to want to use magic for evil. And so they need to almost prepare kids for that eventuality And to do that, it's not just about learning magic, but it's also about making sure you have, for example, people who are brave enough to fight evil wizards and people who are clever enough to outmaneuver them and even ambitious people who can find new ways to thwart evil or or the Hufflepuffs who can sort of unite everyone and and keep everyone working together. So is is it just about like, hey, let's find your buddy and you guys can dorm together? Or is there some kind of greater system of we're not just training you academically, we're like secretly preparing you for for what we think the future could hold? That's really dark. (laughs) (laughs) But in the best 
way. Like, at least they're not. We're preparing you to be evil wizards yourselves and you just don't know it. True. <laughs> they did that at Durmstrang. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm thinking about how Dumbledore, he prepared Harry his whole life to be an evil wizard killer and didn't necessarily tell him. It was just like, yeah, I'm just going to set this up for you. So is that kind of how the castle works as well? They've got the whole pure local... I would say it wrong. Locomotor, pure loco. You know where they have all the statues. Pure totem, locomotor. They have all the statues. They they were ready for some kind of battle, you know. Hmm. But, you know, sorting them into houses like this backfired on them in this case because all the Slytherins, well, not all of, most of the Slytherins were against Harry, um, were not interested in helping him whatsoever or fighting for the castle. Um... They were just interested in getting the heck out of there. A few came back to help. Yeah, was there many. too much competition between the houses? Should they have not been doing this house cup? Yeah, that's that's what I think. I yeah. think all this competition is BS, and that's why there's yeah. so much division. Like, I understand they have to make teams if they're going to play sports. Fine. <laughs> but you can have teams made up of people from different houses. Why do they have to just be your house? Ah, I don't like it. I mean, it's kind of a behavior control system, too, because you get demerits from your house based on if you do something wrong. But it's not like, I mean, they could change that into a personal system where there's like one winner, one individual who wins the end of the year. But that's also kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be hairy every year. <laughs> it basically was already. Yeah. <laughs> So well, Hermione was winning, but for some reason we're going to take 10 points from her and give 1,000 to Harry, and Harry's the winner. <laughs> yeah, because like when we went to school, if we did something bad, we went to detention. We didn't get points taken off of our entire grade or our homeroom <laughs> class or something like that. Um, or if we did badly in class, we didn't get a good grade. So it was all personal uh, motivation to do good or bad. So, it wasn't like the third graders are terrible and fifth graders are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one thing to like have you get points and like compete with like Quidditch. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's a totally other thing to just be like, look, you're real bad at potions. We're just going to keep docking points from your entire house. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> <Like> what? <laughs> Can't help that. <laughs> such a good point it's definitely not very american like americans aren't very into the we're in this together and we'll be punished together it's very you know no. we're very much like am i winning you know so <laughs> maybe that's why i can't wrap my head around this whole why are we dividing into teams and competing about school shouldn't there just be like one person like if someone else does something stupid why do i have to pay exactly <laughs> am i the only one that remembers getting split into teams in school and playing Jeopardy in class. I play Jeopardy in class. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah, we did that uh, on occasion. That got really intense competition. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like teams on a much smaller scale, but yeah. And like there was always some sort of reward where like, you know, you got a bonus on your homework or something for winning. For being the team that won. Oh. Yeah, I remember in, in my junior high social studies class, my teacher tried very hard to do this whole scenario where he split us into groups and we were supposed to compete with each other. And instead, we were all just like, no, we all, 
we're all just going to work together and help each other out. And he was like, well, this is a big failure. And <laughs> we were like, no, thanks. We're just, we are, we're all friends here. So yeah. The team thinks not. That's adorable. And I love <laughs> it too. He's like, debate each other. Like, you know, we were like, that's okay. We don't need to debate. We're, we're just going to compromise. <laughs> The closest thing I can compare this to for my own schooling was like, and y'all probably had this too, in elementary school, we had field day where each class yep. would fight against, not fight against, sorry, compete against other classes in silly um, like races and building like human pyramids and um, gosh, like who could drink a soda the fastest? Like it was silly stuff, but it was fun because you get to stay outside all day in the sun and get sunburned. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone would wear, you know, each class would like pick a colors. So everybody's wearing either blue or yellow. So you know which class somebody's with or whatever. But I don't remember what the prize was for the class who won. Maybe my class never won. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I know. We got ribbons. When I did it, it was always like... We got ribbons. Like hats or, you know, like something not that consequential. Yes. <laughs> no, I did just remember it was not for the class. I mean, maybe the class who the most individuals got ribbons got something extra. I don't know. But yeah, we would get individual ribbons for like coming in first or second in a particular race. I think I still have mine because I'm so <laughs> such a pack rat. And back then, I was actually kind of athletic. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was the kid who like sat on the ground and picked grass and like, you know, whatever. In later years, I was the one that was spraying sun in in my hair and laying out, hoping my hair would lighten <laughs> over the course of the day. It worked a little. <laughs> but it was fun those early years when I was like, I could run faster than, you know, some of the people, whatever. It was fun. Um, but that's the only <laughs> thing I can think of that's in any way like this. And and we weren't competing with the other classes the rest of the year. It was just that one day in a year that you did that. Um so, yeah, I, I see what I kind of see your point about the different personality types can be good in a war situation, but teaching them all separately, in le- at least in this case with the series that we that we got with Harry, it did not work out so well in the end. So maybe that's not the best way. Obliterate the houses. Let's get rid of them. Yes. <laughs> Abolish the house system. The hat can still sing a song every year. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one thing we're not willing to yes. use. <laughs> you just, it's just got to come up with some new material. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that would be a problem for the hat at all. It's like maybe you'll be in um, just Hogwarts generally. and and Or maybe you'll be also just in Hogwarts generally. Like <laughs> that's its whole house song. <laughs> <laughs> So, Beth, you have a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, I I started when we were planning this episode. I was like, mm, I can't think of anything. I don't have any questions. And then all of a sudden I had a million. <laughs> like um, today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So imagine that you are a Ravenclaw who is not good at riddles. What? And you struggle all the time I don't getting into your house. But what happens if, like, 
the the you know whatever thing that creates the riddles for Ravenclaw just makes accidentally a really hard one that no one can figure out and nobody can get into Ravenclaw Tower after that. Just like forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> is there this is my best dream. This? This, this, this should be a whole the, book where the characters it, can't get in. And they just work really hard and look in different books and they think about things. That's your next idea, Does Ravenclaw Parker. Tower have like... Yeah. <laughs> Does Ravenclaw Tower have like um like, okay, that's good enough. You tried really hard scenario. Like, <laughs> Only a Hufflepuff would say that. Is there like a, I forgot my password option? <laughs> like a fail-safe switch somewhere. <laughs> They're all, you already used that answer. Well, like, so the, the, you know, I forget which book it is. The, Neville forgets the password and there's like a, a he has to like wait for somebody to mm-hmm. let him in. Mm. But... What if that happens with Ravenclaw and, <laughs> you know, someone's just, like, waiting for someone else to come help them because they can't get in. And then that person is like, yeah, I can't figure it out either. And then there's, like, a pileup outside of Ravenclaw Tower. And then finally Flitwick is comes up and is like, all right, I'll fix this. And then he's like, oh, I don't know the answer to this one either. Oh, no. Oh, this has never happened before. <laughs> does the Ravenclaw – can it – does it have – okay, we haven't seen very many of the Ravenclaw door riddles, and so I don't know if they're meant to be only ever classical riddles, or if it's something that the door can just sort of make up. Uh, it seems like if it were some kind of classical riddle, and maybe it were so obscure that nobody knew the answer, you could do enough research to solve it. But if it right. were any kind of riddle that you could make up, um, yeah, maybe it would have to be either like, okay, let's we're going to scratch that. Like, I'm sorry, none of you can get in. I'm changing the riddle. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But if if it were classical riddles, like you would definitely solve it eventually. But also like as like, we've ever seen, heard of... what a silly way to have a password to your dormitory. Like <laughs> it's not like it's like specifically for the people who know the password. Anyone can answer a riddle. Like you don't have to be in Ravenclaw to crack a riddle. <laughs> Fair. Well, so that leads into another question I have. Um, because the castle prevents at least in Gryffindor, 
boys and girls from going up into each other's dormitories. But as far as we can see, it doesn't do anything to protect against people of other houses going into the dormitories and yet, or into the the common rooms. And yet, we never see this attempted other than the trio. Like, why, why is nobody else trying to get into each other's common rooms? Like, Pavati and Padma definitely had to have at least tried, right? They should have, like, switched places one day. <laughs> like, the Gryffindor stays in the... Because they were identical, correct? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, they should just pull a, like, parent trap thing for a day. Right. So, like, no, none of their their friends or other housemates would have called them out on it, probably. Yeah. So does that mean they just would have been able to do it? I think so. I think you can do it if you have the password. But I'm guessing that the social pressure would be enormous. So that if you mm-hmm. were a Hufflepuff and you walked into the Gryffindor common room and you're like, what? I need the password. <laughs> People would be like, how dare you? And you would you would be much maligned at school after that. Yeah. I I just can't imagine that like nobody ever tried to sneak their significant other into their dorm or like nobody <laughs> right. from another house or like, yeah. It just seems like I'm just very shocked that there wasn't more protection. Because they're so And maybe there was and we just never saw they it. ingrain these kids yeah. like, no, don't like anyone from any other house. They're all bad. Only your house is good. <laughs> so they don't want to go into the other rooms. <laughs> but I get your point. I do feel like there should be some kind of protection against that. And there clearly is not. All right, so another question about the castle. Um, Dumbledore is a very whimsical character, and there are a lot of whimsical aspects of Hogwarts. And some of them, it seems like, are Dumbledore's doing, or that Dumbledore sort of encourages the mysteriousness of them, like the room of requirement and like the the way the food works with the house elves and with peeves i'm curious if hogwarts has always been that whimsical and did hogwarts make dumbledore whimsical or did dumbledore rub some of his whimsical nature off onto the castle or both this is basically another password for the ravenclaw tower like which came first (laughs) dumbledore's whimsy or Hogwarts whimsy. <laughs> the circle has no beginning. <laughs> well reasoned. Uh, <laughs> Enter. <laughs> like, I think the examples that you mentioned all were there before Dumbledore. Um, I'm trying to think of other... Was Peeves? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was been there, like, ages um, he was like born out of just the chaos of <laughs> yeah. all these teenage crazy teenagers. Um, and the bloody Baron has been, you know, the only one who could control him for so long. Um, but yeah, I feel like he, I don't know exactly when he popped into being, but I think it's been there. I think he's been there quite a while. It seems definite that the that the mood, at least of the school, would change because I remember. How they said that in the old days, they used to be able to torture the students who were bad and whatnot. <laughs> Where are my thumbscrews? So, <laughs> yeah. 
So definitely like with, with policy change, there would be a different mood and that mood might allow for more whimsy to come forth. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about something like how there's the portrait of the, the guy trying to teach the trolls ballet. (laughs) And that's very whimsical, but I could see it being like, okay, maybe that's an old painting, but it was put somewhere sort of out of the play, out of, out of the way because nobody really cared about it. But when Dumbledore's headmaster, he's like, let's get that weird like ballet troll thing out. Like hang it really prominently. And it seems like you could really, you could make some, like maybe it's not like he invented the whimsy of Hogwarts, but he could definitely have played it up depending on how he chose to make like the procedures. Oh, totally. Like Sir Cadagan was just stuck in a closet somewhere and he pulled him out. <laughs> Other people were like, this guy's really annoying. Dumbledore was like, oh, he's so charming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's got that pony. Dumbledore totally introduced Violet and the Fat Lady to each other. Yes. <laughs> he just passed Violet one day and is like, I have just the friend for you. <laughs> you really need a gossip, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that idea that once he took charge, he changed things up and made it even more whimsical. Yeah, that's very fun. All right. So moving on to maybe a more serious one. Um, Harry's parents had Harry when they were really young. They were like 21, I think. Um, and we can guess that maybe the war had something to do with that. Um and do we know when Molly and Arthur, how old they were when they started having kids? I, I want to say they were relatively young as well. And they mentioned that the war had something to do with that, too. Um, but I'm wondering if if we take that aspect away, do witches and wizards have a tendency to wait longer to sort of like settle down and get married and have kids because they have a longer life expectancy or they, you know, they come of age as, as 17 year olds and that's just like when they start their life and that's more the, the average trajectory. I mean, the same thing kind of happens with Harry's generation after the war. So, Mm -hmm. but that also could just be, well, that's what my parents did. So that's what I'm going to do kind of thing. Right. Um, So perhaps... It doesn't seem like they go to college. They don't have, like, a university, magical university. Not that we know of. There's some, like, acting academy, I think, that was hinted at somewhere (laughs) by Joe Rowling, but... Yeah, I mean, if you think about, like, in real life, before getting a college degree became so commonplace, people would get married pretty young, like, a year or two out of high school or whatever, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's not like you were, like, waiting until you, like, get your education or maybe you go away to school or whatever. So maybe it's that sort of mentality. When people had babies so much younger because they didn't live as long and also, like, kids were expected to contribute. Um, But so, you know, if you extend life expectancy, do people just you know, extend their, the sort of young part of their life or do they extend the old part of their life? It seems like the old part from the evidence we see in the series, Mm -hmm. but that could definitely change in the future. Um, I I mean, I feel like even though 
most of the students are not muggle-born. Um, there's at least enough muggle-borns and half-bloods that muggle culture would seep in um, to wizard culture, whether they wanted it to or not. And eventually, you know, some would start waiting like we're doing these days. And mm -hmm. then others might be like, oh, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I'll go see the world for a few years and then settle down. Um, and actually, that reminded me of the whole year that Albus and his friend starts with a D. Dog on it. What is it? Um, Doge. Doge. Thank you. Elpheus. Yes. So they were going to do at least a year um, abroad, seeing the world before settling down or whatever, or doing the next big thing in their lives. So maybe some wizards at least took a year off before um, starting families or, or getting married or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I... A grand tour. Is there a wizarding grand tour where you take a year or two and travel yeah. the world before? Or at least there was. In? It seems like there probably is, yeah. It, I feel like that, I guess, went out of fashion maybe because of all these wars. Like, nobody felt like taking <laughs> vacations things had to be done to save the world um but maybe that came back after the war and some time had settled down um so yeah i could definitely see future generations of wizards taking longer to settle down i always love the the viral stories about old people that fall in love and get married at like 90 or whatever yes. um <laughs> i <laughs> i i wonder if you'd have more of that going on in the wizarding community, but we don't really see evidence of that. We see a lot of older single witches and wizards mm -hmm. who seem like they're just like, yep, committed to single life. Mm -hmm. um, so that, I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else I have. Um, so I guess I'm thinking about um, Muggleborns and the fact that it's so weird that as, you know, Muggle parents, somebody just shows up at your house and is like, your kid is a witch or a wizard. You should send them away to a magical boarding school. And they're just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. So what, ha what happens if if Muggle parents don't allow their kid to go to Hogwarts, then you just have a, a kid with magical abilities who's not getting trained to use them just running around. Like, what what happens to that kid? That's a really good question. What's the line where you become an obscurial or, or that whole process is triggered? You'd be, I, like, actively yeah. repressing? Yes. So I don't think they would do that unless their family, like, turned on them and threw them out of the house the moment right. they realized that they were magical. Um, although like, if they did that, they'd probably just go to Hogwarts. <laughs> like, okay, well, screw you, family. Right. But if the family was supportive of the child but did not want them to go to school for whatever reason, although if they were supportive, they should let them go to school. Um, but I can imagine parents being like, mm, that sounds <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like magical school come on it is surprising that more muggle parents don't uh, you know, at least come like the first night and like make sure their kid gets to this place and that's a real place <laughs> <laughs> maybe they have like like parents day for 
for muggle parents to come and take oh, a tour like so they this... know that it's oh, a real I like place. That. Yeah. <laughs> but just imagine loading your kid onto this train. <laughs> bye. Like, oh, bye. I like I mean you're going to magic school, I guess, maybe. <laughs> you're totally Hopefully not you're not being kidnapped right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is another British thing where they're they're already so used to boarding school where they're like, of course, boarding school. I guess we'll, I mean, one is as good as the other. Like maybe not Eaton, but we're gonna do this one instead. <laughs> maybe they have like a someone who comes around and they're like, hey, we hear you're saying no on the magical school idea. Have you like have some chocolate frogs? Like let's talk this over. You know, let me show you some cool magic stuff. And then they're like, okay, maybe. you know. Isn't that what happened with Ernie's mom, where she was like, I don't think this is going to work out. Like, I already had you down for a different boarding school. And then he... Um... Oh, yeah, I think he was down for Eaton. <laughs> oh, and then Gilderoy Lockhart. She got into Gilderoy Lockhart and was like, well, if that guy is a wizard, then yes, please make my son a wizard. I don't remember that at all, but yes. uh, that like a minor <laughs> Yeah. If you made it up, you have to write it. It's a commitment. I didn't make it up. I It's... I. I'll look it up. It's definitely I do remember him saying he was down for Eaton. I don't remember the Gilderoy Lockhart part, but that's okay. It could still be a thing. <laughs> I think he's telling Hannah at one point in, um, when they're in herbology, he's like explaining to her what happened and how it was like Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> his fame had a part in it. It's like one sentence, what? like a throwaway oh. thing. That's amazing. <laughs> I wonder if they would maybe at least mail the child some like correspondence courses like here you can learn some stuff at home but it would have to be all theory i guess because they don't want them just unchecked waving wands around oh just history of magic that's it that'd be the worst that's so depressing you can learn about this stuff but you can't do it but not well we know that like it's allowed for wizarding families to educate their kids at Mm -hmm. home so there's no rule that a magical kid has to go to a magical school. Right. And there's may or may not be any type of governance about how those kids are educated. Um, As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
like I know in the U.S., kids who are homeschooled, there are still things that you have to do to submit evidence that your kid is following some sort of curriculum. Mm-hmm. And hey, resident homeschooler like here. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Hogwarts is just like, all right, if you don't want to send your kid to Hogwarts, then you can do whatever you want. And then that poor kid just, like, never knows that they're magical. But, oh, man, things could just go so wrong because they still have that innate <laughs> magic that's just going to burst out from time to time. Ugh. At that like, point, point, they're, like, a wonder. threat to national security, basically. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I, I wonder if they kind of do some memory charms on the parents. <laughs> oh, yes, you Take wanted the them to go. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like Jedi mind tricks. I do want my child to go to this. I school. found the Gilderay Lockhart. Oh, good. Please thing. read it. Okay, because I, I just okay. looked up Ernie and his family. It's not pure Ernie, blood. it's oh. Justin. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Ernie's the pure blood. It's Justin, who is uh, his mom was a muggle. He's supposed to go to Eton. And she ended up, she did send him to Hogwarts and she was disappointed at first that he was going there. But then he had her read. Gilderoy Lockhart's books and she was like oh this is great like now I'm glad you're at Hogwarts (laughs) (laughs) wow which is really ironic I'd forgotten that (laughs) I hope he never told her the truth about Lockhart (laughs) I know (laughs) at least not until he graduated so by the way mom you remember the reason you wanted me to go here yeah that guy was a total fake (laughs) (laughs) all right so here's another fun one um do non-magical alcohols affect wizards the same way i think we have because we only ever see witches and wizards drinking magical concoctions i don't think that's actually true i think really almost positive that there's I don't remember. It's one of the later books, I'm pretty certain, where Hagrid asks Molly for some brandy and he says, mm. for medicinal purposes, it's not a port. <laughs> That's true. And Trelawney drinks sherry. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And the All horses right. drink single yeah. malt whiskey. And the Slughorn <laughs> has the, um, the, the mold mead or whatever. Mead. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, that one was an Yay, easy one. We answered one. <laughs> Well, who knows? Maybe something magical. Like, maybe they don't just get buzz. Maybe it's some kind of magical buzz that they just didn't go into in the books. Perhaps. Yeah, maybe the mm-hmm. magical alcohols are just way better at getting a buzz. I don't know. Well, and, I mean, we've had a million arguments about how alcoholic Butterbeer is. <laughs> yes. Is it all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it so is. As alcoholic as you want to make it. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think this is my last one. Um, oh, no, I have two more. Okay. Why is wizard money so indivisible? You mean like there aren't pennies? No, like why Why are there... It's not like a base like 10. 13 of whatever goes oh, into oh, it. Yeah, the math type of indivisible. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great question. Ugh. Can you imagine making change if you ever worked retail? Exactly. Just feel the pain of that. <laughs> well, maybe you can just magically 
like accept money and then return the correct amount of change every time. I should hope so because they yeah. don't teach maybe that's that. Right. Maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so just just for clarification, there are seventeen sickles in a galleon and twenty nine nuts in a sickle, meaning there are four hundred and ninety three nuts to a galleon or canuts or however you want to say that. Um. So yeah, those things are not easily divisible. <laughs> and uh maybe goblins were trying to be like they wanted to make sure they master the money and so they're trying to make it really hard for people to figure it out i love that <laughs> idea <laughs> they're like only we understand how to give change <laughs> that's amazing can you imagine Fantastic. if they're like well you know someone comes and they're like hey i thought i had a thousand galleons in my account and they're like you did but now you have 27,003 sickles. And they're like, well, is that more or less? And they're like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but so we we know there's lots of shopkeepers who exchange money all the time. So they must be able to do it, but maybe they just do it by magic. It's gotta be. Yeah. Because as bad as Joe is at math, I can't imagine her characters are much better. So... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the easy explanation to this question is just that Joe is bad at math and didn't really think about the implications of making 29 canuts go into a sickle. But yeah, I think that was for comedic <laughs> Maybe to value. her, that's what math feels like, where she's like, every math problem to me is like trying to make a sickle and a nut translate to a galleon. <laughs> you know? Like that Much was her symbolic. So she told us right. early what to expect. We just didn't pick up on it. <laughs> right. All right. So on a related note, my last question that I came up with. Um, do wizards living in muggle communities have to pay muggle taxes? Unless mm. their house. Yeah, but they pay it in a goblin gold or leprechaun gold. <laughs> um, I mean, they... Well, first, Gringotts can exchange to muggle money, so they can get that. Um, But unless their house is under, like, a Fidelius charm so that the muggles don't know it's there, I feel like they would have to. Unless they just put charms on people every time they come around asking for money. (laughs) But that only works (laughs) through a certain century, and then there's technology, and they can't fool computers. Well, so technically, you're still able to pay your taxes with like check or something else still but what if what if that only exists because of wizards oh i like that hmm. <laughs> like everybody else does it electronically except for wizards see so, we're just blaming it on the elderly who don't want to change but really it's wizards right? <laughs> So what if you live in, like, an all-magical community? Does the Ministry of Magic collect taxes? Surely. They must. I I just don't know. That's a really good question. Because they haven't set up these communities. They kind of got set up by the people who moved there, I feel like. Like, It wasn't the government saying, we are going to make this neighborhood wizards only. Um, They're, They're much smaller communities and much more spread out. Yeah. Like, we also don't have any information about, like, where do you go shopping for things? Like, does everybody go to Diagon Alley? Does everything exist in Diagon Alley? That'd be a long shopping trip for some people who live in the north of England or in Scotland. Right. <laughs> Is there, like, I don't know, the the wizarding 
craft store that's like off on its own in some <laughs> in some I don't know field. It's a goblin market. You know the the goblin markets and so many fantasy books where it just like springs up and you. Walk <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, where does Molly get all of her yarn to knit all of these things? Like, where where does she go grocery shopping? Like, we know they grow some of their own food. They have chickens and eggs and stuff like that. But But yeah, not everything. Absolutely. And certainly not every family would do that. But yeah, like the pure, like the Malfoys. Can you imagine them going to a muggle grocery store? Like, they would think that's so beneath them. (laughs) Oh, they would send a house up. <laughs> Just hanging out like, in Wegmans, like. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> like when when Narcissa wants to buy a new bureau, where does she buy it? Like, <laughs> yeah, there have to be like wizard craftsmen, craftswomen, you know, both um, craftspeople. I'll just say that. Um, that make fine furniture and i mean we know that madame malkin makes fine clothing and there's the other one that right narcissa says they'll go there instead because to fit and yes um and as far as we know there are no like targets of the magical world right. like there's no big box store version not yet <laughs> <laughs> well there probably just aren't enough yeah enough people like to support that kind of mm. establishment I like the pop-up idea a lot. Little farmer's markets. <laughs> it could be run by house elves. Why not? <laughs> okay. I love the idea of instead of having house elves be like the slaves to humanity, have them all be small business owners. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> what's, that, what's that thing you do when you want food on your phone? <laughs> Why do I not know this word? DoorDash. They can have their own little oh DoorDashes. Oh, you want me to go to Diagonally for you and dash yes. back with it? That's adorable. <laughs> That's amazing. It would be way cheaper than just having your own house elf. Dobby Dash. It'd be Dobby Dash. <laughs> Dobby Dash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Those are amazing questions. <laughs> Yeah, so th- those are all the ones that I came up with. You never thought you'd get that answer, Beth. When nope. you were like, where do they get there? Dobby Dash. <laughs> no, nope. and all. I'm considering that as a possible episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one question and one question only. How and it's on in earth- all caps. Yes. How on earth does Filch keep the entire Hogwarts castle clean by himself? And who, by the way, was like, oh, hey, we're only going to hire one person for this massive job. And guess what? They're not going to be able to do magic like the rest of us can. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> He's just going to use like a broom and a mop on this giant castle. <laughs> yeah. When when Filch got offered that job, it was like, you know, I'm yeah, even though you're a squib, I don't want you to have to be you know, have to live a separate life. I want you to be included in our community. And Filch's <laughs> face just lights up. And then he hears, you have to be the janitor of this castle and you can't use magic to do it. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> oh, man. And then people can make magical messes that are, like, way more extensive oh. than just regular messes. Oh, gosh, yeah. 
Like, what the heck? Come on, guys. Get him some help. No wonder oh, he's so no. mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be pretty grumpy, too. I'm also like, how clean is the school, though? I know in the movies it, it just looks old and kind of grimy. As I think maybe just because it's so old. But so maybe it's sort of like, listen, this is an old place. It's never going to get clean. I'll just sort of like run the broom over a few cobblestones. But that's about as good as it's going to get. Push us the dirt into a corner. Good enough. Janitor is really just a title only. Like, I'm not actually going to do this. <laughs> well, we know that Filch, like, spends a bunch more effort when Umbridge is around. He's, like, polishing things mm-hmm. and making things nicer. Mm-hmm. When she's there. It is so sad, though, that, like, that's prob- those were probably his options. Either be ostracized from society, good luck out in the muggle world, or be a non-magical janitor in a magical school. That's just sad <laughs> yeah. and depressing. That's really sad. Oh, poor Filch. I think there have yeah. to be squib communities. I hope so. Like, but- It's funny because it says that he keeps his chains and things really well polished, but that his office is pretty dirty. (laughs) (laughs) So it seems like he's very selective in his cleaning and polishing. I know it's a movieism, but I absolutely love Filch trying to like clean up all of the rubble after this (laughs) battle. Like credit gets started. It's like, man, I don't think this broom's gonna cut it. (laughs) Take me another two hundred years. It's fine. (laughs) maybe mrs norris is more magical than we know and she does some of the work for him like he he mops something or sweeps something and then she just evanescos the evidence away um that's why he loves her so much she makes his job easier not just spying on kids maybe mrs norris is secretly an animagus that just like will pop into a human, do a bunch of magic, and then pop back into a cat before anyone notices. Oh, yes. I like it. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a whole... That's probably going to be a whole thread in the new Fantastic Beast movie. It's like, surprise, Mrs. Norris was the first of all. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, what other animals can you do this with? <laughs> Fang the Warhound. <laughs> Oh my, <laughs> oh my god, I was not expecting the conversation to go that way, and that was <laughs> delightful. <laughs> oh, I want this, and I don't want it at the same time so badly. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
It's like, stop messing with canon, but at the same time, you've already done it, so... Let's just keep going. I mean, it is called Fantastic Beasts, yeah. so I think they're like, fine, anything with an animal, we'll put it in. <laughs> yep, this needs to happen now. <laughs> I'm just like, what would Fang... What's Fang's true identity, then, if he's really a person? <laughs> <laughs> he's probably just like one of those guys who's at the bar like someone who just haggard me yeah. like let's go get a pint Fang I imagine Fang is like kind of an old man who wears his pants up too high <laughs> <laughs> why? I, I don't know <laughs> it's funny because he drools so much in the movie so <laughs> just imagine this guy like at the bar drinking with his pants up and just like Randomly drooling. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, my ribs. That took a turn. <laughs> I'm like, did this answer your question about Filch and keeping I've forgotten even what my question was at this point. answered your question with another question that's just the way we do things around here it's a box that shouldn't have been opened no <laughs> but now that never has, be on scene <laughs> you know how jk rowling was like there's that hummingbird egg egg hummingbird and you and when you read that book initially you're like oh this is going to be a whole thread from the the mysteries department mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like there's going to be some book that explains what this hummingbird egg thing is and it was just sort of like, no, like some things are better left, not detailed. <laughs> like, we think we found a few other things actually that are better left unexplored. <laughs> well, apart from our own questions, I found a few online that I thought we would we could have some fun talking about. Um, the first one is from a site called Digital Spy. And the question is, why wasn't the Room of Requirement ever used to make money? Like his older twin brothers, Ron could easily have arranged some sort of owl postage service selling items from the magical room. All he'd need to do would be to walk up and down the corridor three times thinking, I need 200 firebolts. I need 200 firebolts. Just like that, he'd be richer than Harry. (laughs) I think this probably has to do with like the the items found in the room of requirement can't exist for very long outside of it or something Mm -hmm. like, like you can create it and interact with it like normal inside the room and you can bring things into the room that, that are real things, but you can't make things inside the room and then take them out and expect them to like behave normally. Yeah. Do we like, can we think of any example of something that was created by the room that, anybody takes out of the room successfully i know that they had some books show up in the room when they made it their practice room for the mm-hmm. da mm-hmm. i don't know if they ever mentioned taking them out but i i mean it would be weird for a book to just suddenly exist and not have been written so i always thought that these were items that already existed and they were sort of being pulled into the room but i don't maybe i just assumed that so then like Madam Pince is pulling her hair out. Right, looking for these books. Fifteen books went missing last night, and she cannot figure out where they yeah. went, and nobody checked them and out. And they're all like, and... "Great, look at these books that just appeared for us." And right, <laughs> or like you know, whatever the the 
broom manufacturer is like, we had 200 <laughs> brooms go missing last night. Who stole them? <laughs> Let's review the tapes. <laughs> or were they items in the castle that weren't being used? You know, these books had never been checked out. And the room of requirement is like, hey, somebody finally is requiring this little thing that we squirreled away mm-hmm. that we knew would be useful one day. Yeah, that makes sense to me for it to bring other things bring things from other parts of the castle and then the, those items could be taken out of the room and brought back in, etc. Because I cannot imagine Hermione just left those books and only read them in the room. No. <laughs> yeah, she and remember how out. when they're talking about food and and Ron or someone says, you can't just conjure up food. Or maybe Hermione, I don't know. No, it is Ron. Ron, but no. It is yeah. Ron, okay. I'm like, he knows about food. That's his expertise, I guess. <laughs> and basically the food comes from somewhere. It's not just appearing out of nowhere. Yeah. So maybe it's this, is there like some kind of, what would that law be in physics where you can't just have, I don't know, maybe that. Oh yeah, <laughs> conservation physics, of energy. Yeah, where it's like, it came from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, in Deathly Hallows, they get food from Aberforth through that passageway because the room can't provide food because of Gamp's law. Um, but yeah, you would think something like a broomstick, it could manage. Right, so I think it's pretty clear that the room couldn't just like produce a pile of money that now you're right. rich. But could it produce something that then you could sell? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's tricky. like Maybe it's like leprechaun gold where you could sell it but then by the time it gets to the person it's like not that thing anymore mm. yeah i think well it- now i'm wondering about the whole toilet issue because wasn't it used as a bathroom sometimes yes uh-huh. <laughs> so where does that go yeah i don't know i feel like we already had this whole online discussion about wizard ways <laughs> that nobody enjoys no. so. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're probably right. It's the same magic as just conjuring it yourself um, and conjured things not lasting. Where, what does the Ravenclaw common room say that vanished objects go into non being? Which is, which is everything. Which is everything. So, yeah. uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to extrapolate. Back to the toilet issue. Yeah. I, have you guys ever seen the movie Looper? Yes. No. They use time travel in the weirdest way, a way that only I feel like a man could make up, which is to get rid of bodies. Like we've murdered them, then we time travel in a way to like get rid of the dead body. Which I'm like, that's what you're using time travel for. And so where I'm going to bring this back to Harry Potter <laughs> is what if instead of trying to get things out of the room, you could pay Ron a service. And he would put the dead body into the room oh, or, you know, whatever, like evidence of your wrongdoing. Maybe maybe Fred and George don't want to get in trouble with mom again. And and they, he could put it into the room of requirement and then it would vanish. Hmm. That's kind of what they use. I mean, they put so much junk in there already. Like that could be a great service. But it doesn't go anywhere. It just hangs out there. Yeah. But if you then change it into something else, if you're then like now be a bathroom, people at least will think it's gone and they won't be able to find it. Right. The only way to get it back is if you're specifically looking for that body, in which case it will it will <laughs> produce it for you. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, you would have to you would have to like be able to walk past that corridor and be like, I need that room where everyone dumps stuff. And and then you could find whatever thing you were trying to hide. But meanwhile, Ron could make a pretty penny before anyone realizes this. 
<laughs> well, thanks, digital yeah, the, spy. The, the, ski, the scheme doesn't have to work forever. It just has to work mm-hmm. for long enough. Well, you have to cash uh, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thanks for that rabbit hole. That was fun. <laughs> I found a couple of questions on Mike.com. That's Mike like M-I-C. First one, interspecies logistics. It's revealed at one point in Goblet of Fire that Fleur Delacour is part Vila. We already know that Hagrid and probably Madame Maxine are part giant. So what exactly are the rules surrounding magical species having babies together? It makes sense that J.K. Rowling wouldn't delve into the specifics of this, but you've got to wonder, could someone be a half-wizard, half-centaur? What about part person? Do you have to wonder? I don't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. <laughs> this just goes in quite the direction. <laughs> so, I mean, this this goes to... Uh, I, I had someone ask me once that, you know, Hagrid's a part giant, which one of his parents was a giant? And it's mm-hmm. like, think about that for just a second. Mm. We already know that it was his mom. <laughs> there, yeah, I know, but like, the yeah. question is silly. Like, my dog is a chihuahua miniature poodle mix, and people are like, which one was his dad? <laughs> just take a wild guess. <laughs> it's not hard to guess. Well, and the centaur so, is I think already half person, half horse. So a ha- is a half centaur just a person who's Whoa. like three? Like, are you a three quarter horse, one quarter? <laughs> like, like how many horse horse elements do you get if you're only three quarters? <laughs> I really wanted to just be a magical pony. You have hooves, but like you stand upright like a person. Like I don't know. <laughs> it's just a person uh. with a really long tail. <laughs> Yes. I, I think that'd be really cool. And a mane, maybe. Yes. Uh, I'm all about that. They could have, like, fur and, you know, maybe just their legs, but they're just, it's it's definitely fur, not just hair. It's and, kind of like Mr. Tumnus. Yeah. I was just yeah. thinking that. Oh. That's true. <laughs> so the list of beings we have to choose from, because we don't want to get into half beasts. I think that's just really going the wrong direction. Right. Um, <laughs> but beings, we have humans, giants, goblins, vampires, hags, house elves, even though I think they haven't like declared themselves beings or they were scared to actually be classified. They're still sort of classified as beings. Um, Vilas, werewolves, merpeople, and centaurs. And yeah, as I was looking that up, before I did find this half vampire guy who let me just it's a it's a very brief um story, not even a story, but whatever. So there's this guy called Lurk Lorkin Deeth. His last name is literally D apostrophe E A T H. So Lurkin Death, basically. Um born in 1964, was a part vampire wizard and singer that was wi- widely fancied by witches. He spent 19 weeks at number one with his song, Next to You. Oh, I just got that. It's next, as in the body part. Neck. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I oh had to say it out God. loud to get that, but that's hilarious. Um, uh. And it says, uh, if Lorcan attended Hogwarts, he may have been in the same year as... Who was that? Some other person during the Marauder's fifth year. Um, and that was from, yeah, one of J.K. Rowling's Wizards of the Month on her official website. So 
apparently half vampire or part vampires are a thing, but it doesn't say anything apart from that. So we don't know the specifics of what a part vampire is. Like, do they still drink blood or do they just like rare steak? We don't know. Um, but as far as the other beings go, and I think, isn't Flitwick part goblin? Mm, he's part something. I feel like that's but mentioned at some point. Maybe? Maybe. Oh, I should know that. That's horrible. I'm going to look this up real quick. <laughs> I want to say it's Elf because he, cause he's more cute than <laughs> goblin Nope, part goblin. Part goblin. Yeah, yeah I'm like, do elves even exist in Harry Potter world? I can't remember now. I don't. I can't think of any of that, do you? Yeah, just house elves. As far as we okay. know. Um, I mean, the wiki has a list of... Was it elves? Oh, no. Oh, Yumbos is another kind of elf, apparently. Oh. I'm not sure where that came from. I mean, some of this stuff comes from, like, video games and stuff, so we can't take it all too seriously. Um... But, okay, so let's go with, I said, we, we already have half goblin, that's a thing. We've already got half giant, half vampire, half Bila. Um, werewolf, like, we don't know, because, you know, Lupin didn't even know when he was having a kid if it was going to be mm-hmm. full werewolf, half werewolf, whatever. So we don't really know if that's a thing. Um, part mer person. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the anatomy would work there. I don't really know how fish procreate, so... um, It seems like the merpeople in the lake were very different yeah. from, like, the mermaid in the portrait in the castle. Right. I don't know if that was a movieism or not. I think there was both. Yeah, the ones in the lake are... They don't, like, they're not attractive as what we would typically think of as, you know, like Ariel, the mermaid. They're like, have that greenish skin and they're scaly and they don't speak English. You know, they have their own, um, their own language. Right, mermish. So, I I mean, it could happen that a wizard could fall in love with a merperson, sure. But, yeah, you'd have to wonder what the outcome of that would be. Um, hmm. I mean, maybe it would just be an individual who could breathe underwater, but didn't have to stay in the water all the time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No details. But would they have This is very much like that movie Splash. It is. We've already talked about half centaurs. Like hags, I don't know enough about hags to know how they're different from humans. I just know that they're usually scary. <laughs> Let me see if this says what a, a hag is classified as. Um, a child-eating creature of human appearance, though likely yeah. to have more warts than the average witch. <laughs> I'm thinking there aren't any witches or wizards who are going to mate with a child-eating creature. <laughs> That's a little terrifying. 
Because if they had a child, yeah. they would eat it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's not go with that one. So there are some interesting thoughts that that go with that. Um, but yeah, I, I am curious if there are, if J.K. Rowling ever set out rules for herself of which beings, which species or whatever would be okay together and which ones would not. <laughs> um, and we'll probably never know. <laughs> but it could come up in Fantastic Beasts because like centaurs don't consider themselves beings because they didn't want to be a whole part of that. Right. Um, yeah. So, and house elves. So, who knows? Should we go to the next question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also from Mike.com, uh, Felix Felicis. This potion, also called Liquid Luck, is pretty amazing. The side effects also seem pretty negligible when compared with the benefits. So why don't Harry and company ever put a little more effort into trying to get more than a single dose over the course of the whole series? Even if the process behind making it is too complicated and long for Harry, Ron, and Hermione, couldn't the Order of the Phoenix throw its considerable resources into acquiring another bottle or two of this very awesome potion? Great question. Yeah, come on, Snape. Right? <laughs> he could have been making gallons of that stuff for the order. Voldemort didn't have to know. Storing it in his cupboard for kids to steal. <laughs> it would have been nice. I know. I We got in a big argument once about Felix Felicis. I don't know if you were there, Beth, but it was on a game night. And, and a bunch of Harry Potter people were there. Because I always bring up this idea of, like, does Felix Felicis imply that they're in the Harry Potter world is some kind of sentience that is guiding your actions when right. you take it. And if so, does that mean you couldn't just make this potion whenever you felt like it, but it somehow, because it taps into this sentient creature that knows how to direct your, your movements. <laughs> I don't know. It's like such a weird, like it is really weird. It opens up a huge can of worms. <laughs> yeah. We've got, I guess it was on the chapter where Harry takes it. I know we did an episode, then the title is just like Felix, the master manipulator, <laughs> because it was such a big plot point. Um, and yeah, it just manipulates not just you, but even things around you. Like it did things to help out Ron and Jenny <laughs> at the same time that it was helping Harry. Um, and it, yeah, like it was really smart that Harry kept some like he didn't take the full dose he just took some and he left the rest for his friends who used it um during the time when Draco and the Death Eaters broke into the castle and at least made it harder for them i mean Dumbledore still ended up dead but at least they didn't end up dead as well um but this would have come in super handy during the seven potters or the battle at the end <laughs> like don't use it all the time but there are certain situations like going into the Ministry of Magic to try to get the locket. That really would come in handy. I can imagine it's it's a little bit like um, nuclear escalation where once somebody is building a nuclear bomb, everyone has to. I mean, you don't have to. I don't like nuclear weapons. But <laughs> with Felix Felicis, if you're like, well, these guys are always taking it. So to be on par with them, we have to always take it. And so then it just becomes this point where like, Every single wizard has to take it every single morning just to make sure that the guy next door's dose of Felix Felicis isn't going to outmaneuver your life 
you're going to have to like meet him. And it's just like, yeah, so there has to be some kind of limitation on who gets to make and sell this. Otherwise, you better be drinking it all the time unless you want to be the one who's on the bottom of the heap every time someone thinks <laughs> Phoenix Phoenix says. I feel like this needs to be a controlled substance. Yes. yes. Just like love oh, potions. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think the side effects are just like giddiness um, and recklessness, <laughs> which, I mean, albeit recklessness could have really bad consequences depending on how reckless you were being. But yeah, I, and I, I understand her not wanting to reuse plot devices too often. And she does a pretty good job of that. Like there are a few things she uses multiple times and we're just like, oh, that again. Uh, <laughs> but not really. I think most of the time it, it works. Like she doesn't use the time turner again. Mm -hmm. um, she uses Animagus sparingly. Um, and this, yeah, it's only used the once. I will say that Felix Felicis is so delightful. I don't care if it opens up a bit of a hole in the story. I just love it so much that you could take this potion and, and it would finally help you in a very roundabout way get the information from Slughorn that you need in like a really unexpected sort of almost scavenger hunt sort of mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm like, eh, even if it has like weird implications and doesn't totally logically make sense, I'm I'm glad it's in the story because it's just so much fun. Yes. I agree. Totally. Especially in the movie. That's like one of the best parts of the, oh, the yeah. movie is when he does those little, <laughs> the those little pincers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so good. So good. Uh, and then we just have one more question. And this came from Gosh Darn Mama Hubbard on Reddit. And they say, how is it that none of the kids in Harry's first year knew about the sorting hat? Literally not one, not even Malfoy, not even Ron with his five brothers going before him as well as his parents. Yet in the end of the last book, Harry is openly discussing the event with his son. <laughs> Good one. Gosh darn Mama Hubbard. I'm with you. What the heck? I did read a really interesting theory about this online, uh, which was that maybe there's some kind of Fidelis charm on the hat. But when the hat is... Um, is damaged in the last book it's sort of on it's on fire right mm -hmm. for a little bit yeah uh maybe it somehow destroyed the charm and so now harry can openly discuss it with his children Whoa. because the, the charm is i mean it's it's a bit of a stretch but it's it was a really fun theory to read yeah i like that theory or maybe they just like to keep it a secret because maybe that's part of like the fun of your first night at hogwarts mm -hmm. is the surprise of the sorting hat yeah, I wonder if Harry told James about it or if he only told, um, oh my God, I just forgot his name, Albus. <laughs> um, Al, there we go. Because he may have just told Albus because he was so anxious and scared mm -hmm. and freaking out about everything. And he, I think it even said in the narration, or in the, yeah, the narration that he had never told any of his children about him telling the hat that he did not want to be in Slytherin. Mm. Um, so maybe it's the first time he told his children anything about his sorting or sorting in general. Because, yeah, it is kind of fun to just make the kids super nervous and think they have to fight a troll <laughs> <laughs> on their first day. <laughs> and, yeah, Ron's brothers, they were not about to let on that it was something as simple as that. Like, they <laughs> wanted to make him as scared as possible. Yeah, it's one of those like school traditions where no matter whether you're a Gryffindor or a Slytherin, you want to have that fun 
of nobody knows how they get sorted. Like, let's let them get nervous and it's almost like a very light hazing. Yeah. Everyone likes a light, mm-hmm. a light hazing where no one gets hurt. So, <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, we don't know that Malfoy didn't know. He may have just kept it a secret. Yeah. I could see his parents telling him beforehand because he didn't seem I can see shocked. them not telling him. Be like, ugh, this kid. Let's get him out of our hair. Send him out to school. Don't even tell about the sorting is. <laughs> Empty nest. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember specifically anything about Malfoy and other than just his actual sorting. I don't remember him mentioning it beforehand. But yeah, I'm not sure if he knew or not. But it is a really good question. I think I have thought about that before, but never quite that in depth. And and also like, oh, right, at the end, Harry's totally just telling Albus about it. Like, it's no big deal. So I like... It makes me wonder, too, about how none of the kids ever seem to wonder where the food comes from until Hermione finds out that it's house elves. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was just like something, I think the Bloody Baron or someone just told her. And it's it's funny, I, I imagine after that, like, what if it's sort of more widely known by the children? You know, like, oh yeah, the feast from the house elves. And, and maybe they like leave little like thank you notes or trinkets or something. Aww. Because now it's like more popular, like the knowledge has kind of gone out. I like that. Yeah, the things you don't think to ask about and the things that people keep a secret. And then once it's out, you're like, okay. Like, now we're just going to tell our kids about the sorting hat. And now we're just going to be like, oh, yeah, the house elves. They make such good pudding. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that the end of our questions? For I today, think so. anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, For we'll now. never be. There will always be more. <laughs> never. <laughs> All right. Well, Parker, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. I'm so glad. Well, everyone go out and get Parker's new book, Parker Peavy House. And the name of your book is Strange Exit. Is that correct? Strange Exit. Yep. And you can check out my website, parkerpeavyhouse.com. Awesome. I cannot wait. Thank you. (laughs) So the next chapter on Alohomora will be Order of the Phoenix, Chapter 25, The Beetle at Bay. Good chapter. Yes, looking forward to that. And listeners, if you would like to be on the show like Parker, visit our website, alohomorapodcast.com and choose Be On The Show. Follow the instructions to send us your audition. And you can also visit the topic submit page to tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about. And if you select on that page that you would like to be the guest on your topic, also be sure to send us an audition just like you would on the Be On The Show page. Um, and to be a guest, you just need a microphone and a pair of headphones. And if you're chosen to guest host, we will walk you through the rest. And if you would like to contact us uh, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at MN On Facebook at facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. Our website is alohomorapodcast.com. Uh, we are on YouTube at youtube.com slash MN. And as always, you can email us at alohomorapodcast at gmail.com. We can't wait to talk to you. Indeed. And one more reminder to check out our Patreon. That is patreon.com slash alohomora. Thanks again to Joseph Hernandez for sponsoring this episode. Woo! And you can... Yay, yes, thanks, Joseph. thanks so much. And you can sponsor us for as low as $1 a month. And be sure to check out our higher tiers for access to Dumbledore's office, episode sponsoring, and decals. 
Thanks so much for listening. I'm Katie. I'm Beth. And I'm Amy. Thank you for listening to episode 289 of Alohomora. Keep asking questions and as always, open the Dumbledore. divin into that's not even a word what's the past tense of dive dove into mm. dived dived that always sounds wrong to me but i guess that's grammatically correct let's say dived from now on tell everybody <laughs> divin into you know I'd say what we, patrick we dove into it but we i think we dove into it yeah that sounds i'm right. telling patrick to just cut all of that it's <laughs> <laughs> <sounded> soda <laughs> I'm going to look that up after the show, though, because I have no idea how to use dive in the past. Don't worry about it. I'm looking it up right now. (laughs) The words dived and dove are interchangeable as past tense and past participle of the word of the verb dive. Both verb inflections are used in American and British English. However, dove is an Americanism, thus tends to be used more in American English. The more you know. I suspected the Brits had a hand in this. <laughs> we Americans came up with a pretty great word and they're like, we're sticking to dived. <laughs>